Support for the Managing Midget Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking over the world and is now available in all of Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Matt, you know who shaved their big balls today? David Batoni, right before he threw Zinedine Zidane under the bus in the post-game press conference. <laughs> well, you know, you know who didn't? I think uh, Alvaro Pozzola obviously did not use his manscape today because when he stepped on the field, let Jose Luis Morales behind him, obviously had a clanger today. I mean, that guy's not using manscape. Have you ever nicked yourself while having a trim mat? Oof. I mean, to be honest, I, I think I have. And the electric trimmer, I mean, manscape provided us with uh, some new equipment to use. And the electric trimmer really works well. I actually... Uh, Used it just to trim down my armpits a little bit, the armpit hair, and it, it worked well. Well, men all around the world have the issue of nicking and snagging their nuts. It is a worldwide phenomena, and that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. If you want in, go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. Again, this only works if you use our promo code MANAGINGMADRID. That's one word at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code MANAGINGMADRID. Your balls will thank you. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Hello and welcome to the Managing Region Podcast. It is Saturday, January 30th. This is your host, Kian Sabani. We are recording this right after Real Madrid lose to Levante at home. And we we had kind of had a placeholder for this time slot because we had decided beforehand that if Odegaard starts against Manchester United, that we were going to record a bit later in the nighttime so that we can watch Odegaard play. I think we all kind of knew deep down he wouldn't start. I mean, you go by Arteta's uh, quotes in the pressers and saying that, you know, Emil Smith Rowe has earned his place. Odegaard has to earn his place, and they can play together. Blah blah. blah. I, I don't think I think it was too soon to start him this game, but you know we were we were just kind of waiting to see what happens there. So he's on the bench to start, which means unfortunately we have to talk about this game sooner. So I guess it's good to get it over with in that sense. This was not a fun Saturday morning, uh, afternoon, evening, depending on where you are in the world listening to this. And knowing our luck, something will happen in the Arsenal game. Odegaard has to come on like the fifth minute, and we miss that as well. So that's kind of how our Saturday is going. So Matt Wiltsey and Omar Vanek are here. These are uh, the two regulars on the post-game show. Matt, doing okay? How you feeling after that game? Yeah, I'm doing all right, Kian. I, I, I like to think of myself as a upbeat, um, positive guy, but this season has really... Um, it's been hard, hard, hard to be that guy, and I think, I think it was you who tweeted it out on the managing Madrid account. Um, how like this season? Yes, we've had dark seasons in the past, but this one, uh, even more so than other seasons. Just it just feels for some reason a little bit harder to get into it, harder to engage. That really resonated with me because 
I don't know what it is. Like, it's just, it's been too many games like the one we had this morning. Uh, and it, it just, uh, it does, it does power your morning. It is, it's hard to like keep that hope when you know we're in the midst of a glo- global pandemic. Like, it's not like this, the club can revolutionize things in the summer. Like, it'll be able to do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's, it's been a little bit tough, a little bit tough. Um, do you have a more optimistic outlook for us? Not really, but as usual, I find uh, joy in the little things, you know, like Mendy losing the ball for no reason whatsoever, just like falling down, you know, some of Casemiro's giveaways in the first half, just, you know, our general play, like, it's it, it's funny, like, like as I've said before, like, there there's like a comedic aspect to it, and like, I don't know, maybe maybe these past games, like it's just been so dull and down, like I couldn't even find that, but it was back. So we're we're getting back to peak Real Madrid form where like at least, you know, our bad play is is entertaining in a perverse sort of way. So <laughs> I had fun with that. But uh other than that, I don't know if there's much more positive that can be said about today's performance let me one up you there i think my favorite thing about the past two games has been the 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 narrative that betoni against alaves was some kind of hidden gem ready to be waiting to be polished and unearthed and (laughs) waiting for his moment and then the 180 turn on him that this is now all his fault those are that those are my favorite fans i think like look to be to be honest and, and the the tweet that matt is referring to i also said that like in years past when Real Madrid weren't good, um, I would still like be running to the TV to watch them play. And when I'm talking about years past, by the way, I'm not talking about Cristiano Ronaldo in 2018 pulling goals out of his ass and, and making it fun to tune in. I'm talking about like we're going like 2006, 2005, 2004. I would still be genuinely excited to go to the TV. And but So maybe I don't know if that's me aging. Maybe I'm just the old grumpy man now. Maybe I don't have the youthful exuberance I, I once did. Maybe that's that's a factor. But I was, in a way, I was not surprised to see that the response to that tweet was like, everyone feels this way. And it's kind of a combination of one of the common things that people said was like, you know, that plus like the pandemic, plus like ever since basically, you know, everything shut down. And even when they came back and played football, it's just the mood has been a little bit off. I don't, I don't blame anyone, and nobody is less of a Madridista for feeling this way. Um, it's just kind of the vibe and the mood. Um, here's one more, just one more uh, thing to add to the rant or add to the tension, add to the controversy, and you know, this doesn't necessarily make anyone feel better. But I think, like, I think it was uh, Christopher who set, made the point on the Castilla corner in response to that tweet that, like. He's felt this way for some time, and he wrote about it. And it and it, for him, it also plays into the idea that like it makes it worse for him that a lot of the youth players aren't involved because that's something you'd be excited for. And whatever you want to think about youth players, because there is a strong, strong contingent of people who really think that this whole the, the fact that we're ignoring youth players or or whatever it's overblown, that Zidane is in the right, and you know the people who will come out after a game like this and be like, well, Zidane was right in not playing Odria Zola over Lucas Vasquez and stuff like that. And by the way, I'm not going to take one side, the extreme or the other. I think there's, there's, there are points to be made that kind of, I lie somewhere in between. And I, I like to try to look at all the nuances to this. But if you think back to 
Real Madrid's 2018-19 season, I guess it was. That was the Lopetegui Solari season, right? Um, can you think? Can you remember what was fun about that season? Despite it being it, that that week from hell was in that season, like the Ajax, Barca, like the back to back to back, everyone's out of the, we're out of the all competitions in one week. What I enjoyed about that season was genuinely like, okay, this is I like what we see, like what we have with Regulon and and Llorente and Vinicius, and I kind of always looked back at that, and I was like, I feel like that year when like historians look back on it is going to be looked at as like the year from hell, terrible transition era. But this is like the this is like where we saw the first kind of like the seed planted with players like Regulon Llorente and and Vinicius and, and you know Vinicius has, was in the team and he's been in the team this season has been, been a bit underwhelming obviously but I I do think I sympathize with the people I'll, this is what I'll say I'll sympathize with the people that feel that this may have been more exciting even if it was quote-unquote bad if you kind of saw some of the more exciting young pieces play so I, I sympathize with that crowd as well um and for the crowd that says well like you know these are the players that have given us so much they deserve to play I don't think they need to play every game and I don't think that um you can run them into the ground and I also don't think that past achievements is is should necessarily buy you time and look, I, I think that Rams midfield, those three players have been pretty good this season, especially Modric and Kroos. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything in particular, but I think that there is something about this season that is a little bit stale. It's a little bit just blah, and it's a little bit hard to watch, and it's hard to get around that. You know, we Matt and I were were like clinging to that Alaves game because we won four one, and we were like, was this fun? We were like trying to like find out if it was actually fun was it fun like like in, and and it was like the best we've had in a long time and it wasn't that great it had its moments this game had the cross pass which was unbelievable to Asensio and then outside of that there really was nothing to to really get excited about yeah I mean I, I think you summed it up well there Kiana I, I agree with it I mean I you're right it's been stale and it feels like there's there's nothing to cling on to there's not much like there's in that season you had the point like those three players were what you could cling on to um and and there just hasn't been anything like that for this year um but do we want to just head into the game now and first half thoughts yes let's accelerate the process um so what did you want to? What did, what were your thoughts on? I guess the starting lineup kind of chose itself, but did you have any thoughts on the starting eleven? Uh, no. I mean, I think it was everything we expected. Odriozola coming in for Lucas because he's injured. Um, so I think the thing that was more startling was the bench. Uh, you could tell that there just wasn't many options on the bench given all the injuries we have. It, it's like three youth team players: Vinicius and Isco. Um, that was basically it. So that's that's what concerned me. And we didn't have much to change the game if things went wrong. And you basically saw that later on. Matt, or Om, did you feel like kind of were you what were the things you were surprised with or maybe not surprised with the way the kind of the first half unfolded? Well, what I wasn't surprised with to Jose Perez's scouting report on Devante was kind of the dynamic of the game 
in that we know Levante, I mean, and this is a thing we've seen for like a couple of seasons now, right? Is like they just they want to play in like a fun style, I guess. Like they want to play vertical, they want to play fast. And this season they've pressed high as well to kind of mitigate some bad defensive issues that have come along with this style of play, right? I mean, they like to open teams up, but that leaves them extremely open as well. And so, you know, it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand to mix their style of play with, with the pressing game. And so that's what we saw, right? Essentially, in the beginning, both teams trying to impose their possession game on proceedings because obviously Real Madrid wants to possess the ball maybe in a different way, a little more slowly, a little more laterally. But both teams wanted to play with the ball. Both teams are pressing. And so it was fairly chaotic to start off, right? And in the beginning, because Real Madrid had more of the ball, Levante were the ones kind of threatening in transition. And just in, like, if we're looking for things that were actually exciting about this game, like they were mostly coming from Levante. Like I, I appreciated their possession play and they're just their general play on the ball, if I'm being honest. Um, you know, they, they usually play in that 4-2-2-2. It was kind of the same today, but maybe a bit more of a, of like a, an aggressive adjustment in the sense that like Radoja was acting like a single pivot in, in like the deep phases and Malero was really coming inside like he was almost kind of like a right central attacking midfielder. So in the beginning, I thought it was like a straight up 4-3-3. But then as you move higher up the field, you, you could kind of see like that 4-2-2-2 shape like uh, come into play. And and it was good, right? It worked well against Real Madrid. They had three in midfield. It gave it, it helped them versus the press. And they had some nice moments where they just progressed cleanly up the field. And then when Militao, uh, you know, had that red card, which, which came from a good transition moment from Levante playing a combination down the right and just swinging a ball over the top we were in trouble there because I, I could tell immediately after that, right, because of how Malera was positioning himself, because of, you know, not just Malera, but also the fact that one of the forwards could drop into the midfield line with Kroos and Modric being the two interiors there and us not, re- them not really adapting throughout the entire game to, like, the fact that they didn't have a single pivot between them anymore. Like, we were going to struggle vertically and, and, and have a tough time trying to close down those middle spaces because of the way that Levante were playing. And, you know, that was going to lead us to become more and more and more and more horizontally compact, which would allow Levante to swing the ball from side to side, get off good crosses, which is what led to the first goal, really. Hazard, you know, having to come out and then not really pressuring uh, the player, um, you know, in, in the back pass and the delivery into the box. And they ended up scoring on the far side. So I thought Levante's approach was pretty good. Uh, their pressing, like, didn't really get tested, right? Because it was 10 men Real Madrid, um, you know, after nine minutes in. But if 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 I'm a Levante coach, like, I'm pleased with what I saw, despite, like, I mean, you obviously have to take into account that you didn't face the quote-unquote Real Real Madrid, but it was a good approach. I thought they, they did things the right way. They had a, had a good idea going into the game, and they executed well. And despite going 1-0 down, right, they kept their heads and they just kept going and going even after missing a penalty. And, you know, full credit to them. I think they deserve this win. I think they played well. And it just shows how, how dangerous La Liga has been this season. Well, I think there's a, there's a very clear kind of way to, to go from here, and that is the Militao red card. Because, well, one, I guess to play it particular, we can talk about the actual 
play, how it led up, led to the red card and what happened. Um, but also maybe if there was a before and after point, it's that. And just kind of just talking about how Real Madrid, I guess, kind of shifted a little bit, like tactically, like what happened after the Militar red card. That's an interesting talking point. So I think let's hit that. Um, to me, I mean, everything kind of stems from somewhere, right? Um, and I think to me, with the with the Militao red card, the high line was obviously disastrous. Um, they're not. They're. I mean, they're 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 ahead of the halfway line. There's no chance they're catching anyone offside. They're not in a position to recover either. And it also stems from a, a broken, disjointed press on the left side, um, which was way too easy to break. And there were a couple sequences like that, especially after the red card, where I thought Real Madrid were vertically loose and their press was kind of half-assed and, and it got exploited. And um, and then Militao takes out Sergio Leon. So that's Militao gets eight minutes in this game, and that was a big blow. Matt, do you what do you think Militao could have done differently there? It was it was kind of an awkward play. I think uh, like Militao almost lost control of his body. It looked like he did try really hard not to touch. Um, touched the Levante player but but it was I mean his foot got him for sure and so even even before when the ref gave him the yellow card I was thinking to myself oh whew, that, that could have been last man back thank god he didn't get the red card and of course VAR calls it back and he and he does end up getting the red card so it I think it was fair um and it's just I mean it, it obviously changed the whole context of the game but I also think it's it's tough for Eder Militao because this was his first time since joining Real Madrid that he played three games in a row. Um, he gets his marching orders within 10 minutes. And he probably, I mean, we don't know when Sergio Ramos is coming back. Nacho's obviously out with COVID. This could have been a good string of games for him to to get his confidence back, to prove himself, and to show that um, he is one of those youngsters that's worthy of more playing time. And uh, so I think this was a big opportunity lost for him. And I think it, it's kind of those defining moments that sometimes mark your time at Real Madrid. So we'll see if, if he'll, he'll get another opportunity to come back from this. But I think it dramatically changed the game. And I, I think at the end of the day, it, it was the right call. I don't think there's any question that was the right call. So to me, I think Militao is just a little bit clumsy in that play. I, I think like... You know, he could have avoided making contact with Sergio Leon. I think if he just kind of goes, um, if he goes on the other side of Sergio Leon and just trying to kind of, kind of just ducks, not, I guess like ducks on the outside of him, or Rizola can, can get there to close Sergio Leon's shot. Obviously, it wasn't intentional. Um, it's not like he was a tactical foul. It was just kind of clumsy. And I think he just kind of misgaged where, uh, where his feet were and Sergio Leon's feet were. Om, what did you feel? changed from that point on change after the red card yeah well what changed was kind of what i was talking about before like already you mentioned we were struggling a little bit with, with the pressing like levante were really kind of intent and in playing through the the central lanes going vertical looking to exploit any compactness issues and so when casemiro moves to the center back position suddenly it's modric and Kroos. Um, having to guard those areas, and it's kind of solely up to them. And Casemiro did step up occasionally, but really he had to worry about covering, you know, plays in behind, defending the box and stuff. So there's that, what I talked about, that effect of kind of like 
then pushing Real Madrid inwards. But also later in the second half, it wasn't a super consistent thing. Kind of after I mentioned it on Twitter, I didn't see it as much. But there was there were these moments, too many, I'll say, where Modric and Kroos were just kind of playing as normal interiors like they usually do and like splitting way wide into the half spaces at the same time. So when we lost the ball, it was just a mess in defensive transition and they just played through the center with no one guarding it. So that was a clear effect that we saw. But what it also did was it, it allowed Levante to, to then become the team that had territorial dominance and just keep plugging away at us. And that suited Levante to an extent, right? They were good in transition, but what it would have required that, you know, that type of dynamic was for them to be extremely efficient. And that's always difficult against a bigger side. With them having more of the ball and being able to come on to us and face us in a deep block, sure, the opportunity for a clear-cut opportunity might be more difficult, but they have more and more opportunities, more volume to get off, which eventually did end up paying off for them. So that, you know, it, it put us on the back foot um, and like suddenly the game was on Levante's terms. So that obviously affected us in a very negative way. Um, but it just never seemed clear to me after that what was going to be our way of creating chances. Like I just didn't tell what our clear idea was. Like, sure, we were defending in a deep block, but we, we didn't actually look like we were getting out in transition as much. When when we when we like had the ball, it would kind of revert to kind of our normal possession game plan and then nothing would happen from there. So like, you know, there were some good moments from from Asensio, like I, I mean, we, we did score on the counterattack, right? Like with Kroos playing that ball to Asensio. And I thought, okay, that's just going to be our approach for the rest of the game. And then we just didn't see much of that from then on. You know, that, there was that one moment from the free kick. Uh, Casemiro plays Asensio and over the top. And then Asensio just didn't get the ball in those positions as much anymore. So I, I think that's kind of what, what changed. And then, like, I'm not sure why Real Madrid didn't kind of adapt to that. Um, you know, it's it's expected, I think, to play worse to for the other team to have more control when you're 10 men down but i just wasn't super clear on on what our our idea was of how to adapt to that and then go on to like kind of win the game because i i think maybe after one nil we were like we'll just bunker down but you know they got the equalizer fairly quickly and then after that it was like what exactly is going to be our method of chance creation with that asensio breakaway by the way the, the i mean that that was the best thing that happened in the game from a Real Madrid perspective. The cruise pass was incredible. It was nice to see Asensio latch on the way he did with confidence and finish it with confidence. Um, it reminded me, I saw this on Twitter, it reminded me of Ruby Costa's pass to Shevchenko against us in 2003, which was to this day remains one of the best assists I've ever seen. And uh, Cruz's was arguably more difficult because he did it with the outside of his foot and he, have to, he had to kind of curl it around. Uh, it wasn't a straight line. But, I, you know, I'm... When I watched that goal, in a way, I, I had to think. I was like, we don't really get to see this often where Real Madrid are break, on a break in transition. It's very rare, right? Because teams don't allow us that kind of space usually, let alone with, uh, with a shorthanded, uh, in a shorthanded game. And so I was surprised to see it. At the same time, I was surprised and disappointed we didn't explode it more on because we kind of had it there for the taking. And I suspect that's why... Zidane opted to go for Sergio Arribas instead of Isco in this game because you had you had the quarterbacks and Cruz and Modric from deep um, doing things, but you didn't. You maybe he wanted to just go like for like and get somebody speedy on the wings to latch onto those. But again, we just didn't. It, it never really ap- appeared for us again. I mean, a sense you had a, a great chance from a Cruz pass in the box, 
um, later they didn't capitalize, which I think was another. There was an, there were a couple important moments in this game that Real Madrid didn't capitalize on. But um, the other thing, Matt, I was I'm curious to know what like your solution to this might have been because I thought one of the um, side effects of losing Militao early was that they really had no idea how to cope with that, and it was just kind of on the fly. Let's just plug put people there and. The first like couple minutes after the red card, all of Cruz, Casemiro, Modric were dropping deep in that center back position to cover. Then it was very clear that it's basically going to be Casemiro who's playing that role on defense in the way, and then Cruz drops back on offense. And then um, what I think started to happen was that the whole team would just go narrow to compensate. And anytime Levante had the ball, like Mendy was basically a center back, and the ball will get switched and no one can actually get to the switch in time. Like Hazard wouldn't block those crosses either when a ball goes there. And so Miramon had all this chance. Miramon and Clerk both basically could just stay in the final third. And Miramon would, would put these crosses in that were dangerous. And then I, and basically right on cue to that, after I kind of took that note, Miramon puts the cross in which uh, Morales scores from. But did you feel like Real Madrid coped like they could have, do you think they could have coped better or differently to the red card? Just real quick before, like Miramon's positioning in this game was like incredible. Like if you look at the heat map, he's more advanced than Malero, and he just looks like a right winger this yeah. entire game. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the first half, our setup was actually probably better than it was in, in the second half. Um, we we more often than not would just drop into it we if we decided to abandon the press we would just drop into a uh, 441 shape and just sit sit low and try to counterattack and that's where our best chances came from i mean the the cruise pass and the Asensio goal that you guys mentioned that's a counterattack that has our play uh, early on to benzema mm. where he does that reverse pass that was a counterattack um, and then besides counterattack set pieces were our, were our other option um, a sense that ball you talked about where Casemiro lofted it over the back line to Asensio and then Casemiro got on the end of a cruise pass right, free kick right at the end of uh, uh, the first half. And so those were our best chances of the game. And I, was, I think that's where we could have continued to capitalize. If we're going to play with 10 men, you might as well make the most of counterattacks and set pieces. But in the second half, we just completely abandoned that. And Ohm, you put it out on Twitter and I completely agree with it. It was... Uh, we saw Modric and Cruz doing their usual thing where they go out to kind of be like the false right back, false left back and uh, build up play from those deeper positions on the wings. But then we had absolutely no one in the midfield. And so if we lost possession, uh, Levante could just counter and go right down our throat, right down the middle. And so I think that's where it got a little bit more chaotic in the second half. And we totally, I mean, I did not like the plan in the second half. And I, I don't think we really created anything in the second half. There wasn't much. <laughs> there really wasn't much, which I think... And when I was looking at that XG chart, so it's skewed a little bit because it has... The one I understand anyway, has Riamja 1.24, Levante at 1.83. Levante obviously have the penalty included in that, which they missed. Um, there's one that didn't show up on the XG chart, and I guess it didn't count as a shot. In my mind, it did, but I guess it didn't. When a set, when Cruz releases Asensio in the box the second time, when it's already 1-0, Asensio tries to score with his right foot. That was a golden chance. I don't know what he was doing there. I guess he just fumbled it, and that didn't count as a shot. Um, 
I think that was a huge moment that that he needs to like he's going to rue that as great as he took the the first the first goal. He needed to do better in that situation. The other Benzema needed to do better on a couple of chances too. He had that one in the six yard box where he just basically shoots it at the corner flag. It was neither a shot nor a cross nor a cutback. Nothing. And then he had another one in the second half that was a little bit further up, but still close to the six yard box. I just feel like Real Madrid um, just made bad errors in this game. Not least the goal conceded, the equalizer. I'm kind of surprised. So I, I don't know if you guys have brought this up or not. I haven't seen you guys brought it up, but I maybe I didn't look at all your tweets. And I, I haven't seen anyone brought, bring this up yet. I'm surprised Asensio went unscathed on that defensive sequence. Because to me, I know Rodriguez will get a lot of blame. Um, I, I think on that sequence, I think you add that Asensio sequence to the bank of Plays, he just switches off defensively. Like he's just at the top of the box. Odriozola is clearly marking like three guys. And Asensio just points mm-hmm. to Odriozola behind him and he's like, hey, guard that guy. And Odriozola's like, what? And he's like kind of flipping back and forth between two, three guys. And Asensio just, well, that's not my problem. I, I, I feel like Asensio got a pass on social media anyway. And I feel like he should have been called out a little bit on that play. So I agree with you. I think the reason for that is is in real time. It just it was too fast. It yeah. was like it it was Odriozola was the guy in that zone and the obvious player to blame. And I do think there's what Matt said about like Odriozola. You know the way he was shaping up his hips. Not I mean my issue with Odriozola right. is he didn't know you know who was there on the far side. But when you think about it from like a structural perspective, and when I went back to look at it, he. he Positioning wise, he was fine. Maybe body shape wise, he wasn't, but he needed to be pinched in that much because there were three players in that zone and Varane was the only one there. So they actually had a numerical advantage. Like Odriozola had to come inwards. And it's only something I noticed on replay, which is why there's no tweet about it. But you're, you're absolutely correct. Asensio just points him off, right? And Odriozola doesn't even see him as well. Asensio just points him off to say, hey, go to the far side. And it might be a bit of a stretch for Asensio to get there, but Asensio needs to recognize there. It's a three versus two. I need to bust ass to get over to the other side because, like, th- there's no way Odriozola can can move over um, or at least in like in the in the moment before the pass, move over to the wide area like Asensio is asking him to because he has to stay inward, right? Like just basic principles of defending, you know, say that Odriozola has to take the player closer to the ball. So that's I I think you're you're spot on with that, Kian, in that I think Asensio probably should have taken more flack for that there, and he he has some responsibility for that goal conceded, not least because he recognizes the danger and points Odriozola off instead of going there himself. But I do think Matt had had a point with like a lack of awareness that that someone was even there, right? So, you know, it's as usual things are more complicated as as when they first seem. But but I think like Asensio getting off of it was kind of lucky for him. Yeah, you guys are right. Um, and I think the other person who you could maybe um, discuss as well is Modric because um, it was Levante center mid Marcella, or I, I think that's his name. He he was the one that actually drifted into the box and caused that overload in the central in that central spot. And so you could maybe say that uh, Modric maybe should have dropped in, but in reality, it would have been easier just for Asensio to to drop in and cover that that weak side post. 
I just personally just got uh, it, it's so frustrating to see because yes, it wasn't Odriozola's responsibility, but he should be aware of where uh, Morales is, and he had no idea. And that ball, when you watch it go over his head, he just it oh it, it makes you cringe because it's it's so pre- easily preventable. If he had just turned, his back was to Morales. If he had just opened his hips, see both the man and the ball. Like he could, you could argue, maybe he would have even had enough time to um, get over to Morales. But I, I mean, I do agree with you, and everyone in my mentions was saying it's Osencio's fault. So mm-hmm. um, I do, like, I do see that. But I just, I, it's kind of those defensive fundamentals that I always say Lucas Vasquez lacks. I mean, Odriozola is honestly no better from what from the small sample size I've seen. I mean, he. Today, especially in 1v1 defending situations, he really, really struggled. And he has, I know we'll get to it, he had part of the blame in the second goal as well. So I uh, i think basically, to summarize, <laughs> Odrizola and Asensio together is not a great recipe for defense, is basically the gist of this. Because I remember, yeah. we, we, you know, we, the last few previews we've been doing with Jose on the podcast was like, well, if if this if it's Odriozola playing, then uh, Asensio needs to be really even better defensively than than he's been, and he hasn't been good defensively. So, um, I think that's a, that's a recipe that's uh, that's 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 tough to work with. Um, so we were supposed to keep off air. We said we'll try to keep this pot to forty minutes. We're thirty one minutes in, and I don't know how much we have addressed and we haven't, but. Where where do you guys think we're doing? Like, what what do we need to prioritize here? I think we've covered the general dynamics. Like, it's kind of where I mean, the second half wasn't that interesting, right? Like, I mean, it was us in ten men in a low block. Counter attacks are dead. Levante doing the same thing as they did in the first half because they knew that they didn't need to make it necessarily any dramatic adjustments to to try to find the winning goal. Obviously, they made substitutes, but their approach was the same. Like, I mean, we can discuss the second goal. I know we all have thoughts about that, like certain player performances maybe. Or, okay, here, I wanted to ask you guys this before, but I forgot. Like, is it odd to you that Chust did not come on and that they just decided that Casemiro would be the center back? Like, I, I, I kind of guess, like, going for experience or whatever, but Casemiro doesn't have the best track record in that position. Um, mainly, you know, for his ability on the ball. Like, was it not at least, like, somewhat odd to you that that just, like, just wasn't considered at all to come on? Well, uh, I just saw this. David Batoni said after the match that he intended to put on Chust at center back, uh, and then Zidane told them, no, put put Casemiro. He literally said that. <laughs> kind of crazy to me. It's almost like he's throwing Zidane under the bus. Like, what? <laughs> So, that couldn't uh, have been more perfect to everything we find funny. <laughs> I know, seriously. And so, I mean, that's like that. That's kind of, I, yeah. I just don't know. I would have. I, I was actually expecting Juice to come on. <laughs> like the the timing of like everything about this is just so fucking perfect. Like the fact that you said like i just saw this and then like it puts us in anticipation for the reveal and then like you know what batoni is going to say before you say it beautiful like this is this is what i talk about like there's there's comedy in everything and if you seek it out you'll have fun no matter what uh that's great um so i mean that's uh 
That, I mean, that I guess that's interesting. So, I mean, I can't believe you just threw Zidane under the bus. Like, <laughs> I feel like this was like Betoni's plan all along. He's like, I'm just going to, you know, just baby step my way into this this job. Throw some people under the bus. Um, here are some other quotes. I guess um, we made a change in the end that the Benzema Mariano change. We made the change in the end because we wanted to get Mariano on. Um, we don't look at who the top scorer is before making substitutions. We have squad depth. Mariano is good in the air, and he's a fighter. My Okay, so here's the exact quote. My reaction was to put a center back on, but keeping a calm head, we decided it was best to push Casemiro back. We didn't want to take a midfielder off to get Victor on, but it wasn't down to his age. Schuss has already started games, but we thought it was better to push Casemiro back and do a double pivot with Kroos and Modric. I feel like that, like, he's given us more, like, tactical insight than Zidane has ever. Like, I, I, he's he's been a little bit more open about it. So I think he's he's kind of brought his own personality, I guess, if you will, to these press conferences. Um, so, um, so, yeah. One thing I don't understand, though, is, like, I don't want to bring off a midfielder, but that's what you're doing anyway when you play Casimir at center back, like, you're you're losing a midfielder no matter what, like, right. Anyway, like I just don't understand it, but whatever. I understand, but but you're thinking logically. We don't do that here. We don't we don't do that <laughs> here, bro. We don't ask questions. We just uh, we just analyze. Um, what did you ask me during the game? Why is Casemiro like this? I don't remember what you, what you there said. There was but... one moment where Casemiro was like all the way over on Varane's side when they were building out from the back, and we had no one in the left center back position. Um, but yeah. Um, what else did you did you guys want to uh, hit here? Um, couple things. One. Uh... Vinicius coming on and playing on the right. What do you guys what do you guys think was the logic behind that? I mean, the only thing I could think of is if they felt um Vinicius's pace was just against Malera would have been better on that side so that he could get in behind. I mean, that's that's the only reasoning I could think behind it. I think Zidane likes Asensio on the left side better. Um but with Hazard like you know, Hazard determines where everyone else is going to play. And so a lot of times when Zidane has the opportunity to move Asensio to the left, he goes ahead and does that. Maybe there was some logic with Vinicius, you know, trying to get more, I guess, with on that side, like maybe counterattacking. I don't know. Um, I, I, I didn't think it was necessarily the best decision in the world, but uh, I think it like Asensio on the left at least plays into it somewhat. I think it should be noted, too, that Hazard did not bring anything to this game. Besides so, that one pass to Benzema in transition, and then after yeah, that. Yeah. Which was a nice ball carry sequence and a nice disguise pass, but was ultimately overhit. I think, I think, also think with the positioning thing, it, it seemed a little bit more fluid than to me. Um, and I, when Arribas came on, I think Vinicius did Vinicius go to the left because his heat map is actually kind of distributed bo- to both flanks. So I assume that might be yeah, because. He went to the left when yeah when Aribas came on, and even when, when Hazard was on, he did go over the right a couple times, but I yeah I, I don't think Hazard gave us enough, and uh, whether that was the circumstances of the, circumstances of, circumstances of the game or not, I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> certainly after Militao's red card, 
he 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 kind of played a little bit deeper and was a little bit more narrow. Um, but uh, one completed dribble, one key pass, zero shots. We need shots. Nobody shot in this game. Like very little shooting, right? Uh, Benzema is usually the guy who can lead the charge a little bit. He had two shots and both of them uh, not great. So I agree with Hazard not giving enough to. I, I, he had he had one really terrible, weird line breaking attempt in the third minute, where he just inexplicably just dribbles it and then just just literally kicks it away. Like he just kicked it away. I don't, I don't can't explain it. Go back and watch it. It's puzzling. Um, I thought like at least he had sh- he showed a couple of glimpses of like good fitness levels, which I think was encouraging to me. But he was just he wasn't visible to me, and that was that was a huge problem. Um, what did you guys think of Mendy's performance? Sorry, I thought Owen was going to tie it up. <laughs> uh, Maybe we need to make some I mean- subs on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, I thought Mendy was fine. Um, I, I mean, it was kind of the usual story with him. Good, solid defensively. Had a really nice tackle in the first half, but offensively, he kind of—I mean—he didn't bring anything to the table, and that's that's kind of what we've been grown accustomed to this season, at least. Uh, just no, no real production on the offensive end of things. Even his cross, like I just. Odrizol, both he and Odrizola's crosses were just way off the mark. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have much to add to that. Like, I already talked about one of Mendy's giveaways earlier on. Like, it, I think Tony Kroos deserves an award for having to carry build up down the left hand side with Casemiro at left center back and Mendy at left yeah. back. Yeah. Like, I mean, and he, and he had a good game on the ball. Like, again, like a good game, which will go underrated because obviously we lost and didn't play well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tony Cruz is amazing, man. That's Cruz my and Modric, Yeah, Cruz and Modric, for me, were the only redeeming players from this game. I mean, they both they both played well. They both, um, I think, each had th- combined for seven key passes. So they, they were the only redeeming players for me. Um. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I agree. And I actually thought Modric was, was pretty good. And I, I I think they just, there wasn't really much to work with in this game. And um, it was hard. Like even, I think one of the side effects too of the red card was that Modric and Cruz felt more onus to drop deep in with the buildup, which I think ultimately has to fall on the coach to kind of like shift things in the right place. But there wasn't anything, anyone for them to connect with in the in the final third, really. And especially with the attackers being such ghosts. Um, do we want to talk about referees and stuff? A few missed things uh, in this game? Can we, uh, can we touch on the second goal or their Levante second goal quickly? Because I, I mean, oh, I yeah, 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 go for it. So, um, Levante obviously played a short corner, um, and Odriozola was started on the post, the near post, marking Roger Marti. And they play that short corner. Asensio was out there to try and uh, deal with it. And uh, eventually, Odriozola gets to a point where he has to make a decision. Do I go out and press or do I stay with Roger Marti? He kind of gets caught in two minds and ultimately decides, all right, I'm going to go out and press. But he does it. He decides too late. So he once he finally does decide to step out, 
it's too slow, too late. So Modric then has to cover uh, Roger Marti, but he kind of he kind of half-asses it. Like he's watching the ball rather than covering and being aware of where Roger Marti is. And so then Marti, obviously, we all saw it gets free in the middle of the box around the penalty spot and just gets the shot off and pretty much game over. I think that's pretty good analysis of that goal. I'll just add that I like to see short corners actually being used appropriately because too often you see them just take it and then they just take that cross from a slightly better angle, which, okay, I guess that that's a decent use of it. But when you have a two versus one in that situation, which you often do from a short corner, make use of it. And so they're able to manipulate Asensio's positioning. They're able to play it back, get off, you know, a free cross from much closer to the goal where you can actually have like a cutback situation and get it off. Well, like I was posted, um, well, I scheduled rather, but like a piece on, you know, Barcelona Feminis, uh, you know, corner kick routines and such. And they had really good short corner kick routines. So this is like right on theme for me. But it was really nice to see that from, like, I guess just a, a tactical perspective to see it be exploited in that way. And they executed really well. And that's what that's what those types of routines do. They throw defenses off. They require split-second elite decision-making to be able to stop things. And we didn't have it on that play. And so they were able to get off the cut back and, and score a goal. And then the other thing I'd say is for some reason, like, my commentators on my feed were blaming Vinicius for that one. And I, I just don't really see how because he had to guard the man at the edge of the box like after Zola, you know couldn't make a decision quickly enough or whatever it was down to Modric to block that passing lane and he couldn't and I'm not quite sure what Vinicius could have done better there I don't have much to add other than that I think I also give credit to Roger Marti's movement for that goal because I think when you uh when you kind of see the play unfold a lot of Real Madrid players are trying to cut off a cross that would be closer to goal or a low cross and they're all kind of flooded there and Marty just has a sense to hold his run back and anticipate a cutback when Real, no Real Madrid player did. So, um, so yeah. Um, let's see. Um, oh, the referees. There was this thing that I saw on Twitter where Om sent me the video. I, I missed in real time. But uh, I don't know which Levante player it was. It was a very clear, like, red card to me. Like, I, I'm surprised VAR missed it because who I don't remember who it was. Maybe you guys know. But they're, they, ha- they have a landing, and they can, I, to me, like, it looked very intentional where he looks down at Varane while he's landing, and he just makes sure to put his cleat right on Varane's head. And it was really a dangerous play. It was unacceptable. That got missed, and usually I don't like to talk about referees, but that one I think was was severe enough to discuss. Um, the other ones, I mean, we can talk about like the whole Vinicius penalty, which Courtois saved, and, and whether you think that was a penalty or not. Um, but do you guys have any thoughts on referee stuff in this game? I didn't see that play. I mean, I saw it on Twitter after the fact, so, and it, from just the images alone, it, it did look like that it was a clear red card. Um, so I, I have to go back and look at that live to see wh- what I, if it was intentional or not. But I mean, re- irregardless, VAR didn't even look at it or there was n- no review or anything. So that, that's kind of bewildering. Um, on the Vinicius penalty, I mean, I, so I was on the La Liga TV feed and they were, um, 
it was uh, Graham Hunter, and I mean, he was he was really laying into Vinicius because he said he was far too late to recognize the danger there, uh, and he tries to rely on his speed to to make up for the mistake. But in the end, I mean, he too many times Pacey players think they can get away with that when they can't, and so he gives away the. the it was definitely a foul. What I'm not sure of. And I, I've seen it a couple times now. I'm not sure it's it's in the box. I, I feel like there could be an argument made that it's just outside the box. So I was a bit confused by the amount of people on Twitter who were adamant that there was no foul there and that Vinicius clearly got the ball. Like, he maybe, like, grazes it, but then clearly takes out the back leg of the opposing player. And then the left foot was on the line just about, which is a part of the box via the rules. So to me, it seemed like a good decision to make that a penalty. To this was it wasn't that controversial for me, and yet most Madrid fans on my timeline like really thought that uh, it it was like I don't know robbery, a horrible decision or something. Like I honestly think the Militao one was like trickier than this because like it was so hard for me to see what he did wrong, and then you have to look down, and there was a little trip of the feet there. I mean, it just seems to me like Vinicius comes in late. I don't see him getting really much of the ball. And even if he does, we know with these rules that like that just winning the ball doesn't mean everything, especially if you're you're going to get barely any of it and then clean, like take out the back leg. Um, yeah, I, I maybe the question is like whether whether it's outside or inside the box, but I think the toe was on the line and, you know, that would make it a penalty. Yeah, I the BN feed had maybe the opposite reaction of the La Liga TV feed. They... Uh, they thought Vinicius got the ball. I also thought it was a penalty. I, the angles that I saw that were the most kind of telling of, of what happened was that Vinicius did catch him and that, to me, technically speaking, it was in the box and it's a penalty. I, I didn't have issues with that. Um, I just want to... I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this, but I'm just throwing it out there just in case. I haven't seen anywhere reputable say that Betoni said brought up Zidane when uh when saying that I I, I don't know I don't know where you saw it Matt because uh, th- there is there's a quote on Twitter floating around that says um I was ready to put on choose to replace Militao but Zidane decided to go with Casemiro at the back I haven't seen it written that way in anywhere from Marca to us uh, I'd be curious to know how Ewan transcribes it, but the ones that I've seen from official sources are, are are reputable sources online, not Twitter. The quote is, we decided to keep Casemiro in center and play with Cruz and Modric in the middle. If we haven't got choose, it has been because of his age. So I, I just, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know where the truth lies, but I the one Buzz on Twitter... <laughs> yeah, sorry. Buzz the one kill. on Twitter might might not be the real folk. We're trying to get some drama here. I know. It's much funnier the other way around. I know. At least we had our moment <laughs> reacting to it and laughing. And hey, maybe it is Maybe it is still real. Maybe Mark got, us got it wrong. Um, okay, so did we miss anything? Uh, I Just that Roger Marti. I mean, like, I don't know, like it's a rounded podcast, but I thought some, you know, Praise deserves to go to Levante players. Roger Marti, six shots, four on target. Uh, he was on his game today. And then I mentioned Malero, but he he really did have uh, a quite unique role in in almost kind of being like a, a central midfielder. And 
I thought his distribution from there was quite impressive. 96.3% passing accuracy. He was receiving in difficult areas as well. Not like he didn't have a lot of touches. So there was good volume and good efficiency uh, with his touches. Like not much final third production, but that wasn't really his role. And I, I was just impressed with that. I, I think it was a nice little wrinkle to throw in against Real Madrid. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he performed well. Was impressed with like Miramon, of course, four key passes. And that outlet down that right-hand side. And, like, you know, when Real Madrid lose, it's often because we play badly. But, you know, it's also often because, uh, you know, the opposing side plays well and they have some good individual performances. And, obviously, like, both things were the case today. And I I just liked what I saw from Levante. Do you want me to re-inject some, some of the buzz that I, that, I, that I took away? So I think I found the exact quote that I think this is what it is according to us. So the quote is, when Militao was sent off, my first reaction is to put in a central defender. But then, with a cool head and talking to the mister, we thought that removing someone from the middle was not positive. So I think the way he framed it was, I consulted with Zidane and we decided collectively that this is what's going to happen. The one on Twitter makes it sound a little bit more like, yeah. Well, I, I made mean, the choice. Zidane was like, us. "No, I'm in charge. You're putting in Casemiro in the back." Like, I, so I, 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 I mean, like, I guess he framed it more diplomatically, but like, right. it seems to be a reasonable interpretation to think that when you say we were going to do something, and then we consult with Zidane, and then we come to a conclusion that right. Zidane was like the differential factor there. But I, I mean, think it, it was a clever way of taking the blame off his shoulders yeah. and being like, "Well." We, I had this in mind, but then after consultation, we decide. Like it, yeah. It's you're right. It's a diplomatic way of basically saying it's not my fault. Don't ask me. Um. Okay, let's wrap it up here. I think it's halftime in the Manchester United Arsenal game, uh, or or second half is about to start or something. Uh, Odegaard was warming up with the first half. Let's go see what we can catch from that game. Uh, Matt Noam, thank you so much for joining the show. We will be back. On, I don't think there's a game this week, is there? I think we have another break, big one week. Well, there's those for me at least. There's uh, El Clasico tomorrow, uh, rounded Femenino versus Barcelona Femenino. That's why I did that set piece analysis that's up on the site. You can check that out. Uh, it'll be 6 a.m. EST, so another early morning for us. But Grant and I will be there, we'll be there covering it live. Uh, usual stuff, immediate reaction, player ratings, uh, post match pods. So you know, look out for that. It will be an extremely tough game. We're talking about the best side in Spain by far. But uh, if you're looking for a pick-me-up, it's probably going to come from the women's side. We're in second place right now. We've been getting results going our way. And I'm not I'm not saying we're going to get a result tomorrow, but, you know, if there are teams in the league that could do it, it's us and maybe Atletico Madrid, you know, and, and that's about it. So El Clasico tomorrow. We will be covering that. That's, I guess, the content to look out for moving forward. So, El Clasico tomorrow. Uh, Ohm's video analysis is on managementdrew.com right now. On the, uh, it's pinned on the on the homepage. Player ratings and stuff in the immediate reaction all on the site as well. Then podcasting things. Um, we'll be back Sunday for for uh, Las Blancas. And then on Tuesday, Matt and I will talk about the Lone East stuff. I'm sure there will be plenty to, to, to discuss. And then Thursday will be the mailbag with Lucas. And then Saturday will be back uh, 
for a post-game show. But there's probably going to be even more bonus content than that, but that's just the, the bare minimum I think we're going to put out. Let's do patron shout-outs really quick. I, I almost forgot that. Um, so patreon.com slash is where you go to pledge if you like this content. And if you're here almost one hour in after a loss to Levante, that means you like the content. So... $3 is the, the minimum pledge. If you pledge annually, you actually save some money. So it's a win-win. You get value and stuff. So uh, shout out to our $10 plus patrons who get a specific shout out on the podcast as follows. Brandon Alvarez, uh, Phoenix, GWolf94, S.A. Davisito, Willie Reed, Way Parink, Tyler Simon, Tyler Dixon, Tobias Arroyo Bacher, Tahmid Kalam, Sujai Wani, uh, Somanchu Singh, Shabazz Sharapov, Sergio Arispe, Santos Rosano, Said Mahat, Sad Omar, Raul Gutierrez, Raga Potluri, Oscar Barrera, Nick Ribeiro, Nick Lahr, Muxi Thangal, Mowgli, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, MJ Diego, Michael Cruchon, Leon Sabernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Kevin Rivera, Karen Scherer, John Fernandez, Jeff Thurston, Jason Fitz, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Rantakiro, Frederick Sundros, Faisal Hamdan, Eric Rogers, Elo Enriquez, Daniel Williams, Christian Toft, Christian Gonzalez, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brandon Powers, Brandon Stevens, Austin Fury Erdman, Ashik Bashar, Anthony Lombardi, Anirudh Singh, Alexis Seniceros, Adam Dorsey, Al, Varun, Fabian Moreno, and Philip Hammer. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Matt, thank you. Om, thank you. And we'll be back tomorrow over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid for Las Blancas. Thank you. Take care. Right. Thanks, guys. See ya.